Jim Joyce. It's Wednesday, man. We did it. Your hair looks disheveled. You can't tell by my hair. So even though I am disheveled. I'm disheveled. I'm just chasing my tail. I'm chasing my tail as usual. <laughs> just got to grow it out a little longer, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> man, um, I was looking forward to this Wednesday, as I do to every Wednesday. But um, and, and actually, um, not that I was looking for it, just sort of started coming out. Today is like a busy, busy, busy day. Um, so our friend uh, Ken from Silver Cloud, I know. right? Uh, announcement with Amwell. Roy is being aggressive, uh, going after Silver Cloud Mental Health. In Conversa. Conversa, that's right. Murray uh, and team, fantastic. Wow. Hopefully these guys, you know, not just stock, but also some cash, just, you know, just saying. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Like, I just I just, I just saw that. I mean, we know Ken, obviously, he's one of the Irish that's right. That's right. luminaries. And uh, I just texted him right now, coming back, and he says he was happy to be on the other side of it. <laughs> was, was yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I was, I'm still sure that there's a, a long way to go, uh, but anyway. Oh, and and our, our friends uh, Brian and Owen, uh, Med Rhythms, 25 yeah. mil as well. So congrats, kudos to the team. Um, I think the team will represent the DTX uh, invite-only gathering in October in Boston. So uh, looking forward to that as well. That's a shout out, Marty, to you. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah we got Martin Martin covered, Martin from Health Excel. And, and, and do we have... Um, it, we're doing it in the, in the Health Beacon office, right? In October. Oh, I have no idea. I was just showing up to Boston and then waiting for the text, but I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to show up. Um, I think that's all in the news. I know our, our next guest has been patiently waiting. Um, so I'm going to just let her in. Talk, talk awesome. about, you know, kind of, uh, you, you mentioned Ken is, you know, kind of the notary person that you know everybody knows had been around the block we know him for many years so um i'm gonna let in nina and i'm gonna butcher her last name but uh Simon pogue um and that's good as, as she's getting on video uh nina and i go back uh, oh shit like 12 years nina oh i think it's more than that more than that oh man wow. oh man I just, nice I, I, yeah, so Jim, Nina, Nina, Jim, Hi, welcome Jim. to the shot. <laughs> and it's the afternoon for us. So I'm actually drinking water today, believe it or not, and because I have meetings. But I was just, um, I was just reminiscing, <laughs> looking it up, Nina, Hi. before we go into it. Um, there's a picture that comes up every year somehow that it's myself, you, Dan Kogan, Matthew Holt, uh, and I want to say Michael Millinson. If I'm not yeah. mistaken, we'd need to pull that up, but uh, it okay. just always comes up from a Health 2.0, Santa Clara or San Francisco, I don't remember, from like a decade plus ago. Oh my gosh, we were babies. Yeah. I, guess so I, have, I haven't changed at all. <laughs> you guys look like babies. You both look like babies. Look so young. What are you talking about? Uh, you were like... <laughs> 15 year old technical <laughs> founders. So the crazy part yes, before, that I let, was me. before I let Nina go talk about herself a little, um, I actually reconnected, really reconnected last summer, right? Uh, I believe um, after many, many years. And I actually learned so much more than I ever knew about you from the Health benefit focus days. Like, 
that you were a gymnast, right? So Olympics are going on, that you were a news anchor, that you're a book writer. Like, I mean, I was like, holy crap, uh, pretty amazing. So maybe I'll just let you introduce to our millions of listeners and viewers. Yeah, I think mostly we were listening to Matthew and, and drinking copious amounts of beer. So I don't know if <laughs> any of the rest of us spoke much. He was picking up a lot of the oxygen in the room. Um, we're not recording this yet, are we? We are, Sorry, actually. So but that's okay. This is un meticulously unproduced. So great, great. Uh, no, that was uh, quite a while ago. But yes, um, I, gosh, it was, I'm trying to remember. It was, I think it was, you're right. I think it was 12 or 13 years ago, about a dozen years ago or so. Uh, when Health 2.0 started, it was in its infancy, and Matthew Holt just had an idea was really early on. Uh, but yeah, I, back then, I was new in tech, so I was learning the business. I'd just gone from TV to tech and was still trying to make that a successful transition because uh, not everything transferred. I had to learn the whole industry and learn SaaS technology. I had to learn healthcare benefits. I mean, it really was, I was in a big learning curve those first few years. Yeah. And then I, but I'd done television for almost 20 years. I was a reporter, an investigative journalist, and I was uh, a Whoa. news anchor for most of it. In New York City area? Were you from New York? No, I was actually in Charleston, South Carolina. Ooh, Big fish, little pond. I was in a small market, um, okay. but I'd done television down here for years. And I'd been at WBRZ in Baton Rouge and worked uh, right out of college. I went to LSU, so we'll backtrack here now. Yep. I went to LSU uh, and was a gymnast for LSU. And so, and then I worked at WBRZ in Baton Rouge right out of college. So that was my okay. early days in television. So are you totally pumped with the Olympics right now? I mean, what are you thinking? Yeah, it's been really uh, amazing to watch. I went to the trials. I flew to St. Louis. Uh, I know really? one, of, one of your episodes, you were talking about flying again. It was one of my first flights and it was really. So you actually listened to us? It's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> my homework. No, I see. I, um, I catch this on LinkedIn. Yep. There you go. Somehow Perfect. we're tied on LinkedIn, Eugene. It comes up all the time for them. Yeah, that's where we live. <laughs> that's right. Not on Twitter okay, for me. You, you, so you were, you were a gymnast, right? And what were you studying at LSU? Um, well, I did gymnastics and then blew out my knee and pretty much studied boys and booze for the next <laughs> year. Um, <laughs> I got out in communications and uh, in, in journalism. Yeah. Okay. And then you get a job as a news anchor. That's like a like an idealistic job. I mean, as a as a you know, it kind of seems like a fantasy job a little bit to be an investigative news reporter. What was that like? Yeah, it was really cool. So I, you know, I blew up my knee in college, uh, and so I I had to find something else to kind of throw myself into. And I walked into a newsroom, and I just loved it. I just like the energy. It's different every day. It's demanding. You could go in and spend two or three hours on a project, and then there's some shooting or stabbing or something, and you're just going in a new direction and having to turn that real fast. I just like that. So yeah. I loved the reporting part of it. I like the investigative journalism. I did a little bit of political reporting. Um, but then uh, I was offered an anchor gig. And actually, I swore I'd never be a news anchor. I, this is I, something I haven't shared too much. I want to be the next Christiana Mampour and like travel all over the world and be respected. <laughs> but uh, I got tired of being poor. Uh, so... <laughs> As a reporter, you don't make any money. So I took a gig and sold out and became an anchor and was a news anchor for almost 15 years. Wow. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And, so, and, and how did you, yeah, uh, because again, we got to know each other sort of right in that transition period for you, sounds mm -hmm. like, right? So I guess one, what made your transition? Um, and then two, 
you know, benefit focus. I mean, they're still around. And I think you were one of the early drivers of digital health before it was kind of buzzwordy, right? For the employer market, which was also now buzzwordy, right? Uh, right. Digital health for employers. Um, so I guess let's touch on what made you transition into it. And then we sort of peel the onion on digital health and where your thoughts are. Well, I was ready to get out of the biz. Uh, I was around 40-ish uh, and I was ready to step out because my kids are getting a little, we're getting a little older and I just felt like I was missing out on their lives. Uh, and because uh, you were She's 43, by the way, now. So yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. That 13, 14 years is not even. Yeah. Um, uh, I was, but my kids, I was just missing out on a lot and I really wanted to be in their lives more. And when you're in news and television, you work two to midnight. That's oh, wow. just your hours. So at some nights, a few nights a week, I would rush home and do bedtime, bath time, you know, tuck them in and run back. Uh, my kids used to call it my crunchy hair because my hair was always done and hairsprayed. Then it didn't move, you know. Um, back in, remember back then when people had big hair and big earrings? That was a thing. Eugene, Eugene, uh, you, remember, you remember that? Eugene? I, I remember hair <laughs> in general. I still have way too much hair, but this is pandemic hair still. Um, anyway, I was ready to get out. And so I looked to get out of television and where my skills would transfer. I had a couple of good mentors and a couple of good... Um, people that I really respected in the community and I talked to them about where my skills could transfer. So I was actually looking in three areas. I was looking at, uh, in, in legal, I was gonna work for a big law firm that does big class action suits globally and teach their lawyers how to handle the media. That was one option I had, mm -hmm. uh, that I interviewed with. And then I met with a big marketing firm and a friend of mine that worked there. And he pretty much said, you don't know anything and you can't get into this business. <laughs> All I would do is use you to pitch things. So I was like, that's disappointing. And then uh, the CEO of Benefit Focus, Sean Jenkins, uh, and he and I had sat on a couple of charity boards. And so I had met him and he had this really cool idea that everybody was talking about. And they had this little uh, place down the street. It wasn't far from, it was actually an old Walmart. And they put like 20 desks in it and said he was going to fill it. I did the story on that. So I did a story on this guy the first time I met him who bought an old Walmart, put about 20 desks on it. And, it, and said, I'm going to fill this and make this big thing called Benefit Focus. And the, the lo first logo had like an eye on it. And people would just come in the office all the time and think that it was for eyeglasses. <laughs> so, yeah. So anyway, I met him and, and did that. So I, I, I threw some due diligence in doing my homework. I did my homework and said, where's the money going to be spent in the years to come? And definitely healthcare and tech was definitely where I wanted to put my energy. And so that was mostly, it was a financial reason. I liked Sean. I liked the concept. I had a friend who said, do it, go for the options, startups are fun. And so I just took a chance on it. And what happened? How they doing? Oh, go ahead. Hmm? Same question. Same what question. Happens? Are they they're still happening. around? I know that for sure. And they've grown. Does it focus? Yeah, yeah they're, they're big. Yeah, so I stayed with them. When I started, we had about 200 and something employees. I was 247. It's funny, we all had our number back then. Uh, <laughs> and I stayed until we had about 12 years um, uh, full on board for about the first 10 years. And then I did more so kind of from a distance doing advisory work for the executive team. But I became the, over time, I came in as to run media. Google had just bought YouTube. This was kind of cool. So Google had just bought YouTube and Sean was like, this video thing's going to be big. And maybe if we could explain benefits and video and you could do that, you're good at like breaking down big stuff and making it simple. Let's see if we can do that. So yeah. I started there. And then over time, love the company, learned SaaS quickly. And then I was vice president of marketing comms 
during our IPO, we went public in 2013. We oh, had wow. one of the top 10 tech IPOs of the year in Forbes magazine, 2013, really proud of that. And wow. then I stuck around, we had a new CEO come in, uh, help with um, some change management and stuff and stuck around for a while. And then I got out uh, after that and started writing books and doing other things. But I actually, I left just it broke... about 1,200 people when I, when I left the company. Wow. You just brought back like a memory. I think Dan and I were pitching to you something with video. I don't even remember in that in the Help World Web startup. Like I, I just, I, I, it brought me back to the pitching thing to you. But anyway, it's crazy. Small world. Yeah. So was this in Charles, Charleston or where was it? Where was the location? Yeah, in Charleston, South Carolina. So Sean Jenkins was this founder and CEO of Benefit Focus. Yep. And yep. people told him he was crazy for starting a tech company in Charleston, South Carolina, and that it would never work. And that this whole idea of taking your form that you fill out to get benefits and putting it online was a bad idea. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he was just <laughs> down determined to, to, to prove everybody wrong. And he certainly did. It's a fantastic company. And it really was impetus for a lot of the growth and what we call the digital corridor here in Charleston. Because I love, I'm a total Charleston Charleston file. You know what I say, Charleston file. <laughs> oh, I'm a total yeah. Charleston fan. <laughs> Well, next time you're here, you have to make sure you find me. I'd love to show you my town. I was the news anchor here for a long time. So I'm kind of oh, part awesome. of it. It's just so charming. It's a foodie town. And it's like, have you done Charles? Charles no, you done no, I don't, I don't think I have, actually. It's a oh, top I feel list. a trip coming on here. It's a top, it's a top list. Like I, I'm we, putting that on my list. The, I actually, I'll, I'll call out the guy. Uh, there's a guy, Rob George, who is the, he's had a corporate development for Hamilton beach and he's in Charleston and we just did a deal and we kind of did it out of Charleston. And so I had a few lovely meals. Oh, okay. So you, you just recently then been there just recently. Okay. Where did you eat? Am I allowed to ask that on this? Where did you eat? Oh, my memory is, I know I look younger than I am, but my memory's totally shot. I love the place. <laughs> that's why I, that's why I check in everywhere. And, and Marina yeah. makes fun of me. He's like, why do you check in? And then we're in the city and like, what was that place? Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, let me check, you know? Yeah. And, that is, I guess I should do that. I don't want people to know where I am usually. <laughs> right, right. That's another yeah, thing. That's true. With me and Eugene are kind of out there, you know. <laughs> okay. So, so then you joined Health2O. Sorry, Eugene. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, no, so I was going to actually, I think, go and not join Health2O, right? It was just, just join yeah. as, a conf as a conference and, and probably right. support a sponsor, too, I'm assuming, at the time. Um, okay. So we were a sponsor, and we got Sean on stage that first year. Um, and I remember prepping him, and we met with Matthew about where's this going and getting his ideas, because it was all so wild, wild west. We were just making stuff up, yeah. it seems like now. Right. But we were in that space at that time between employer and carrier, so our very first customer way back in the day was Piggly Wiggly, which is a grocery store chain, which is the awesome. best name ever for a grocery store. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> so, so that was one of the early angel investors. And then um, when we had talked to them about exchanging their data early on, the company did, they had to go meet with Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina because that's where Piggly Wiggly was. And yeah. so Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina said, you can do that. Can you do that for all of our people? Yeah. So that's when we got into the carrier business. And so we had this, wasn't even a yin and yang. It was like, a like which, what are we being? We had a little bit of identity crisis and like, what are our salespeople selling? And if you're selling to an employer and they already have this carrier, like so many people do, trying to figure out the SaaS business. Um, mm -hmm. So that's where we were. We got out there with Matthew and he, we talked about one platform for two universes. You know, that was the, oh, the, yeah. the, the, the talk that Sean gave them, I think the very first time. 
That's awesome. I, I would like having like uh, on the investor roster, Piggly Wiggly, you know, because he was, there was an investors as well, were they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. it's just so good. You know, Goldman Sachs, yeah, Goldman Sachs bought out all the angel investors, I think in 2006 or 2007, the year that I got there. Um, right. And, but it was, yeah, they always just to be able to say Piggly Wiggly was one of them. It's just such a fun. That's thing. Right. I, love, I would love that contract. That contract, like the Goldman Sachs acquiring the Piggly Wiggly shares, you know, let's like, say <laughs> signing the contract. <laughs> yeah. so let, let, let's fast forward a little bit. Um, obviously, again, early adopters and looking to digital technologies, especially that that space, the employer carrier. And I think still some companies have that identity crisis even today, right? Like that's still being sort of worked on. In, in digital everywhere in, the, in this place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and where, where's your head as you sort of, in, you know, looking at the space, digital health, right, as a whole kind of, and having that background and benefit focus, even though you've left a uh, number of years ago, what are you observing in the marketplace now? When I'm not so much in, involved with the bin admin piece, um, I speak now on resilience. So my first two books, I've written two books on resilience. I do a lot of research around resilience. And I've looked at which companies were resilient, going with any company dealing with change, adversity and change. Like how do they adjust and change and adapt and become something better on the other side? Why do some make it, some don't, some people make it, some don't. Um, so the resilience piece was really key. And as I looked at this, I got more into the digital mental health space, like Ginger and Lyra and Better Health. I'm just fascinated with that. And when we look at what happened during the pandemic, um, the amount of spend um, that people are putting into the digital health space, I think it's 600 million being pumped into that since the pandemic in, in investor money. Um, 600 million investor. I read it somewhere. I can find the stat for you, but I know that's the number. 600 million pumped into the digital mental health space since the pandemic started. So I think that the need for that is so great. I'm really fascinated and kind of taking all my focus towards that right now. I'm not doing as much in the bin admin. I still speak at tech companies um, on resilience and spoke to uh, doctors last week, no, surgical center executives last week. Um, What was the name of the first? What was the name of the two books? Oh, the first book is uh, This Is Not the End, okay. Strategies to Get You Through the Worst Chapters of Your Life. Love it. Uh, and the second book is But I Want Both, okay. uh, work, A Working Mom's Guide to Creating a Life She Loves. Oh, so awesome. both of those deal with when you have a big adversity, how do you get through it? And then the second one is for most young women and men, and I have a lot of men who've read the book who really got a lot from it, when your career takes off. Is about the same time you start having kids. And like at this right. moment, like everybody wants more of you. And right. you have to, can you still be good at your job and have success and still be a good parent or still be a good parent and keep your job? It's that. That's yeah, what that second book is. Before, because there's so much to unpack in both of the books and resilience, which to me, that topic of resilience, we can probably spend hours and hours on, right? Because uh, I don't even know truly what it means. But before we go there, I'm actually curious because um, you mentioned Lira, Ginger, and there's been a, to your point, whatever, whether it's 600 or 6 billion, almost doesn't matter. <laughs> Tremendous <laughs> amount of investment, right? Going into it. My, my challenge looking at that space is um, the supply side, right? And you can, you can automate some things for sure, right? And you can augment. But I think, you know, there's the, you know, you go from, Uh, maybe some light anxiety, right? And we all go through, all individuals, I think, go through that to, you know, clinically Mm -hmm. 
uh, clinical mental health. And I think on that spectrum, you can't automate, especially on the clinical mental health side as much, right? I, at least I don't never say never. So given that you dove in a little bit, can you kind of unpack it a little bit? Cause I'm just curious, where the hell is the supply coming from? There's just not enough people. Well, yeah, but you still need the human piece. It's kind of like client services. If you look at it from a regular tech company perspective, everyone's a client and it's client services, but it's not a B2B, it's B2B human, <laughs> you know, it's yeah, one person yeah. at a time. Where they can automate, they really automate the intake. So there's a lot of online questionnaires and things that pop. And when you take those, you get populated into categories uh, and get served up to different people who offer services. And they do, depending on how those questions are answered, they can get you going in the right direction. That saves you as a person needing help a lot of time, saves the company or whoever's offering those services a lot of time to an intake. And the other place where they've really um, cut down on the human piece of it is you do your own sign up for your time. You just get a time online and you meet with this person online. So the office space isn't there and the back and forth with some admin who has to set up your calendar. I mean, set up your schedule isn't there. And then you just have this discussion like we're having now uh, with somebody on the phone and they've just taken it to that. Obviously, it's more than that in some instances, like you said, there's a whole spectrum of people, the different levels of health they need. But those pieces have really been automated well, um, the intake and the vetting of people in need. And then, you know, they every the interweb knows everything about us. They find people with certain words that are being used. They make sure they key them up if they're in some really you know, crisis right. state. I mean, this is largely, as you may have guessed, this is largely a mental health intervention for me and Eugene here. <laughs> it, it, it has been. And, and, you, and you carrying us through yeah. this way. And there's not really any coffee in this mug. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it, 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 I'm in Dublin here and it's, uh, it's seven o'clock. Uh, uh, <laughs> I love Dublin. That was my last trip before the pandemic. Oh. We went over and did the. Yeah, that, well, yeah, we're gonna have a lot of digital health activities. So you're welcome to come back. Uh, come soon. We're opening up. I'm in. Hundred <laughs> percent. October twenty eighth. Another Health Excel. We just we just gave a shout out to Marty and Health yeah. Excel for the Boston event uh, gathering. I know not event. Yeah. Uh, October twenty eighth is Dublin. That's right. Um, so. Okay, so so like just coming into the so give some thoughts or around resilience. So like I'm the, like what probably, is it? Yeah, what is that? it? Okay, so, so is it? this is what I think is really cool, and this is when I I, I say I, I spoke on resilience. This is my word before 2020, and resilience became the cool kid word, you know. But right. the reason, if you think about this, so resilience. Um, became this word we kept hearing on television, in the news, everyone was using it. You didn't hear people talk about grit and determination, lots of speakers and experts in that, but you couldn't just double down and go harder in 2020. Right. You had to change. So the, the definition of resilience is to adapt and grow stronger in a positive, adapt in a positive way and go stronger and, and grow, grow stronger um, through adversity. So it's that adapt in a positive way. Like with grit and persistence, you, you, could, you couldn't just double down and, and, and right. keep doing more of what you've been doing. None of us woke up on January 1st, 2020 and went, you know, my goals this year are to survive a pandemic. That's my goal, global pandemic. We all had plans and goals and things and then right. vacations and whatever. And we all had to adjust and adapt. So when I think of resilience, it's the adjusting and adapting part. Right. Um, and what's really cool about this and what I love to geek out and talk about is the whole globe went through this Amazing. together. And when it comes, 
yeah, when it comes to a big adversity like this, you go through the stages of grief. So the whole planet went through the stages of grief. So we did denial, like it's not going to hit my country. It's not going to hit my community. It's not going to affect my job. And then there's still some anger, people, many people you know? in denial. There's still some many people in denial. Yeah. So there's um, a lot of bouncing out. The stages of grief are not linear. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So then we hit anger and like, are you kidding? I got to cancel my conference or cancel my vacation. Or I got to homeschool my kids. Are you kidding? So the anger piece. And then we did the bargaining. Do you remember that? Like, oh, if we all just wear our masks right. for a few right. months, then we can all get back to work. We did a lot of bargaining. Um, and then there's um, the depression piece, the sadness right, piece right, right. of grief, sadness and depression. And, and if you made it through the last year, I always say you didn't have any sadness or depression, right, more power sociopath. to you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I consider myself pretty good, even without this much coffee. In, I consider myself pretty up. But yeah, I had days where I was like really motivated and working out and going to use this time to like get in right. shape. And then I'd have whole months where I was like binge watching yeah. Netflix and drinking yeah. wine and going, this is never going to end. You, you, you could, could Jim dragged me out. Right. March, March of 2020. I mean, it's right. like, dude, let's do this. Yeah. You can, yeah. Witness, our, so anyway, you can this... witness our stages on the 60 episodes that we've done because we did it from March <laughs> until here. You could see like our stages. Like <laughs> yes, yes. I gained like 20 pounds and I had to lose it all back. Again. Like, you can physically see mine, like not just in my yeah, Mine was in my hair. I wore it in my hair. <laughs> yeah, I did that too. So anyway. All these stages of grief that we did all over the globe and people bounced around in those back to anger. You know, there's a lot of that. And then the last piece of grief is acceptance. Okay. And the quicker you got, get to acceptance, the quicker you can move on and make a plan. So the people who are most resilient, the people who have the best resilient, uh, the resiliency and have the best strength are the ones that get to acceptance the fastest. And they, you know, another word we all are tired of, pivoted. Right. Or they made a change. They adapted or pivoted quickly. So the companies and the individuals who made those adjustments, you know, got through all this and got to the, okay, we got to do something, right. you know, and make an adjustment. And they got to the acceptance piece of grief first. Those are the ones who did the best, which I just think is fascinating. And, yeah. and is this and why knowing and speaking and diving into resilience, because a lot of this is your mind, right? Um, it's, it's, it's not your physical um, nature, it's your mind. And is this part of the reason why you sort of zoomed in and focused in on mental health as something that you're really looking into? That's, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so that got me really going down this mental health piece. And my first book, This Is Not The End, uh, is sort of a don't jump off the bridge book when something goes bad. So it, it, I don't say suicide, I say dark times, but it's kind of that, hey, when you really think that your life is ruined and everything goes bad, whether it's a you know divorce or you get lost or you, you lose your job or, or your company goes under, like there's a larger you know, life right. in play. And so uh, that's sort of what that first book is. So that was sort of the mental health piece. So I've kind of been in that space for a while, but with the pandemic, it just became really fascinating to see everyone do this globally yeah no it's together. a total team building session it's, it's really a, a terrific team building session <laughs> it's really an amazing and powerful book just a shout out i i as soon as we spoke oh, i think uh i you know i ordered it on amazon and kind of plowed through it in literally half a day i think so just uh amazing book it's funny when i when i, I was actually with Thank health you. excel in uh india remember i got that you know i got i got my genetic profile done and there's a gene that tests resilience. Is like there's a genetic uh, marker around resilience. Have you heard of that? Or I don't. 
Yeah, there's a lot of discussion and argument around whether we are born resilient or uh, we grow it through time. I'm on the I'm in the camp of yes, obviously some people are hardier than others if you want right. to call it resilience in like your physical resilience. But I think the mental resilience piece is a lot of um, your experiences in life and your the people who bring right. you know help you through life. Like I was a gymnast. Right. And I was on the U.S. gymnastics team. And we talked about that earlier. Um, yeah. And so you literally fall on your face and stand up and go to and keep dancing like you can't right. stay down. So there's right. a piece and, and you stand on that balance beam and hope you don't fall. But if you fall, you have to get up and keep going. And yeah. then someone sits in judgment of you all day long and tells you what you did wrong. Like there's a resilience <laughs> piece <laughs> and they literally give you a number like, yeah. yeah. You're a two today, you know. That that and a number of other reasons is why I never became a gymnast. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you might be too tall, just for the right. No, no, that's not the problem. <laughs> so I, actually, I don't think I've ever said this publicly either. When I was still in the old Ukraine as a young kid, I actually did gymnastics. And I remember I was trying to do a split. I, it's still, it's like that little microsecond memory is still there. I just remember doing it. And I remember trying to do a split and, you know, the typical Russian speaking gymnast trainer literally just, I was, I was like, from what I remember this far away. Mm -hmm. And the guy just steps on my back foot and I went, ah, and I never showed up again. So that was my experience with gymnastics. Just FYI. This is why I'm so flexible. Yeah. Um, and so Simone, Simone has this is all, she just backed out of the Olympics and said that she couldn't handle it. And she wanted to take time off to deal with her mental health. Amazing. Yeah, I know a lot of people much over the last few years, both not just the sexual assault allegations by Nasser, but all of the behavior by coaches towards athletes. It was a different world. We are getting into a new, hopefully, a new generation of athletes uh, in okay. gymnastics. But yeah, my coach, I had a Russian coach that would stand on the back of my leg and get my split down. And I had very tough coaches, both in my, on when I was a you know club gymnast, when I was an elite gymnast, and then when I was in the co college, who right. the things that happen then don't happen now. But I, I admire Simone, what she did. For those of us who saw that vault and saw in the last few days, she what we call bailed, like she got lost in the air. And that's such a weird feeling because you literally can die in that right. sport if you screw up. And when you get lost in the air like that, it's like your whole body is numb. It's really, really frightening. Because, wow. yeah, because we've seen, I've seen, I had a good friend who did that on bars and broke her neck in college. I, we've all seen it. We've seen people die. Wow. It's not an easy sport. You don't see that so much on TV. Wow. So, so she got lost. I mean, she bailed in the middle. She was through two twists and she bailed out of one and didn't really know where she was. And that's why she landed like she did. And so for, for those of folks like me who've done this sport at any level, it's a really scary feeling when that happens. Right. And um, it was super triggery for me. Right. I was like, whoa. Uh, and I'm sure it was for a lot of people because it only happens a few times. Yeah. And your coach will sit you down and go, your head is not in the game. You are not, you are, whatever you do, you're not doing this right now right. because it's dangerous at that level. I mean, to, you know, it, to put yourself out. It's fascinating, you know, like, I'm, like, I'm not at that level, obviously, I have huge respect, like, you know, respect this, this whole opportunity now for people to talk about the mental health challenges that they have and it not being shameful, um, you know, or some kind of sign, like, it's almost like a sign of strength or something, you know, associated with it. But, you, you know, you do wonder, you do wonder with, you know, this next generation, like when I'm talking about like building companies and I have people in my teams, 
and you know they bail on a responsibility, right? And they bail on a responsibility because you know they're not feeling up to it, they're feeling stressed, the timelines aren't there. And I kind of feel like my generation, like we didn't, I didn't know that I had that as an option. <laughs> I had it as an option, like like I had to pay my rent, through. I had to get the job done. I had, yeah, yeah. That's a, I think that's a little different. There's not, and you're not physically. No, no, I'm not, I'm not associating uh, with I, her, the Olympics and putting yourself. No, but I think that that say do ratio, like you, if you step up and you're part of a team and you say you're going to do it, I actually have a little bit of a problem with the next generation who doesn't do that. But I think it is the fault of those of us in our generation um, for not um, managing them and helping them in a sure. way that we need to. We don't, we need to make it okay to fail. Yeah. I'm a big fan of make it okay to fail sure. in the in the corporate world. Fail fast, you know, right. whatever you want to call it. But yeah, I and also this kind of idea. I, mean, I suppose when you're youthful, sometimes you make you know you make mistakes and you think about it. But this idea of like relationships, right? Like like Eugene and I talk a lot about that. Like within digital health space, the investment in relationships and how it's like. I would say, you know, in our generation, like how important that is, right? Like that's that's kind of what pulls you through the next phase, and then that interconnectivity versus the transient nature of like, you know, I, I never had that feeling. Yeah, yeah, transactional. I can get a job anywhere. I can get, I'll always be hired because it's, it's out there anyway. I, I think, I think I've Jim- i three kids. They're all just out of college. My youngest- Was that? No, I was saying, I think you're just trying to make a point that you have the resilience My, gene. <laughs> oh. Yes, the yeah, others- <laughs> I, I, I don't I, I'm not sure if I if I have it by uh design intelligence or <laughs> but there is so there there are there's a different type of resilience in this next generation um everything they get so quickly and they're so smart because they learn yeah. so fast my kids who are out of college my youngest is a data analyst she's got she got a degree in um something that in, in media analytics, which wasn't even a thing right. uh, back when we went to school. But the pace at which they can learn and do and their oh. expectation of success is so different, so different than ours. We haven't done a good job managing millennials and the next, you know. Yeah, and they're so brilliant. I mean, I, I, I meet kids nowadays, I'm not gonna say kids, like young adults yeah. and the intelligence, you know, often the work ethic, you know, the, um, the capacity to learn and, and adapt and do things just off the hook. Like I, I, had no, I wasn't anywhere near there when I was there. <laughs> we, we were just, we were just interviewing uh, a young adult at the same age as my younger daughter for a developer job. Like, like right. it's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, truly amazing. amazing. Like I, a lot of them, a lot of them like that. I can remember sitting in a board meeting, um, you know, an offsite, an executive offsite. So the 20 people who ran the company, we did a big offsite and we said, we sat around a big table and everybody discussed things. There was lots of whiteboards and discussion. And then we had a moment where everybody had to take out a piece of paper and write down to just like, this is still employer and carrier. And now there's the, you know, direct to consumer. So they had all the different pieces and everybody had to write down the one thing that they thought the company needed to focus on to move into the future. And some people wrote down our core technology. Some people wrote, we need to reset, the, you know, really look at our platform and, and, you know, rethink the whole platform. Some people wrote different things. And I wrote and turned it in. The key to our success is capturing the, um, the strength. I don't know if I wrote strength or the, uh, you know, the intelligence or capturing and nurturing the intelligence of the millennials that are already here. 
I hundred percent and, and keeping them. Yeah. It's and, unique. It's unique. It's unique. It's like, it's not, you know, you can't apply the same, like, you know, I felt like we chase, we chase economics, you know, we chase money, power, prestige, like any game we'd play it for, you know, they would promote you. You went from an analyst to a senior analyst, to a manager, to a director. <laughs> you just kept chasing. It doesn't you know, matter. Like, you can draw your stack 50 different ways and talk like, about your technology 50 different ways and your customer service and all but it's humans that have to build this stack and humans. Right. So if you don't take care of these people and get the best from them, you won't have success. I don't care how many ways you draw that stack and make it work better. Yeah. I, I just think I'm a millennial in, inside. So is that that's it? All, that's, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I kind of see that. Um, I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> yeah, I won't either. I won't. Um, before we get to Jim's sort of usual, typical final question, I have one in between. Um, so, you know, you kind of walked us through resilience. I'm still on the resilience thing. Um, and, you know, once you hit the adversity, you go from denial and all the stages to acceptance. So is there people, is there something people can do to speed that up? Because I think that's the, that process, right? And I think that's part of the reason you kind of get stuck in some of those stages. You either go through anger management for a while, right? Or, you know, is what are some, I don't know, tricks or... Just any thoughts on this? How do that's you speed my, the process up? That's my whole keynote. So I don't have 40 oh. minutes to do the whole keynote. <laughs> but my keynote is I kind of set up and explain what adversity is. And then I have everybody do this little scenario and they put themselves in a bucket. So you know what, if you're an empathizer, an analyzer, or a fixer, who you are. And then we talk about the thing. So I break it down into, there's four concepts that people who are more resilient embrace. Um, and I, I named them because they're called all different things, but I had to come up with an acronym. So I call it, you got to keep your cool, but it's put it in context. Where does it fit in the big, I'm going to give you this very short version in the big story of your life. Like, right. so one of my favorite things to do is get people to do math. So this one, I will unpack a little bit. So when I was almost 20 and I blew out my knee for the last time and lost my sport and couldn't do gymnastics anymore, I thought my life was over because everything I'd known was gymnastics and 70 and if I do the math 75% of my whole life had spent been spent in a gym okay wow. so that's 75% now when I was 50 turned 50 parenting was 30% of my life gymnastics was a much smaller percentage so I go have people do this thing the context of whatever it is you're facing um where does it fit in in the timeline of your life? Because sometimes we can feel like something's much bigger than it is. When you are 10, here's the easiest way to look at it. When you're 10 and summer seems like it goes on forever, that's right. because that's that year of your life nice. when you're 10 is one tenth of your whole life. Right, right. When you're 40, like summer's like, boom, gone. Yeah. That year of your life is one fortieth of your whole life. So the th same 365 days. So the math just works against you. So I talk about context and when something big happens, put it in the context. It's not your whole life, even though it may seem like it. And if I live to be 100, gymnastics, which I need to drink less wine, take better care of myself. <laughs> gymnastics would be like 15% of my life. You know, you got to see the math. So context is big. And then ownership. I always, uh, people who are good at uh, dealing with adversity also look at where this fits in in the story of their life. Is this like a, a whole new chapter? Is this something that doesn't make it into the book of your life? If your life was yeah. a book, you know, how does it fit in there? Um, what does that ownership look like? What are you going to call it? Are you even going to put it in your book? Is it going to be a whole new chapter for you? Are you going to let it right. be? Um, and then um, others is the other O. And this is 
the people who had the most success through adversity and um, people, especially companies and CEOs and leadership over the last few years, pulled in others. So this is, you know, we saw this, all these masterminds popping up and everybody jumped on Clubhouse. I don't know how much you guys do Clubhouse. I got totally sucked in Literally. for a while. Um, but we all yep. looked at others. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we started looking at others, like how we get through this right. together. So I talk about that. Um, people who have get to that acceptance piece ping off others and, and figure out what's going on. And then the last one's language. Ooh. And this is, what are you calling it? Um, when something big happens, is it, you're, it's kind of like that. Are you stuck at home? Are you safe at home? Yeah. You know, that yeah. we heard a lot of people say, uh, when something big happens, are you calling it a disaster or is it a challenge? Right. Like the words in your head come out of your mouth and they become your reality. So the language, for people who get through adversity choose different language, both in their heads. They talk to themselves more like you would talk to a child. Right. You wouldn't say like, mom's an idiot. She sucks at her job. You know, <laughs> we're going to cancel Christmas. No, you would say, oh, well, works hard, but I'm, I'm smart and I work with smart people. We're not going to cancel Christmas or anything. It's okay. Yeah. So yeah. the language piece is what I talk about too. So anyway, those are the biggies, uh, those concepts yeah, awesome. to get through diversity. Keep your cool. I love it. I love it. I would like I to, to when, when did you come to Dublin and give this resilience speech, we got to have her as a, <laughs> we got to get her over here. As a, as a keynote, I agree. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. I would love that. <laughs> so, okay. So picture yourself a, um, a former very successful athlete um, just coming off a, a news anchor job and you've come up with this digital healthcare idea called Cool. Uh, and it's a mental health application. And you're, and, you're, and you're looking at that young person and you, have, and you think you're going to get some funding together from a, a supermarket. And uh, what advice would you give that young digital health entrepreneur right now? Uh, I give them a few books to read, like Play Bigger and some of the other books that are out there and make sure that they really understood those first. Uh, but I would also tell them uh, to pull in people who have gone before you and don't do their mistakes. Uh, don't tr let the people who have tried something similar uh, advise you. Uh, I think our, your best ideas, someone might've had something similar to it, but it wasn't your idea. So find people who have done something similar and tap into that knowledge. Even when I decided to be a speaker, I found, you know, I, I hired speakers at Benefit Focus. I called one that I really liked. And I said, how did you do that? It was Josh Lindner. He's a great speaker. I'm sure you guys have heard him. You know, I've heard the name. Yeah. He speaks on innovation. I called him up and just, Hey, you don't know me, but I, I'm thinking about going down this road and how did you do your research? How did you jump into this? So those would be my things. Read a few books. I'd give them a, a quick list of books to make sure they, they right. um, read. And then I would tell them to uh, pull in other people. The people who are most successful are people who don't try to go it alone. Other yeah. people will see things differently than you. And critically, no matter, and critically, no matter what happens, you have to keep your cool. <laughs> keep your cool. Yeah. Cause you, and, and you're going to, and you're not going to get it right the first time you're going to have some failures and that's just like putting it, it's like AB, I figure this is how I think of failures. It's like AB testing. You just ping, put it out in the world. That one didn't work. Let's try it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That was love awesome. That was well, awesome. that certainly carried me through this Wednesday and gave yep. me the boost for the rest of the week. So Nina, it was awesome <laughs> to have you here. And uh, for those millions of viewers and listeners, pass this on, press the subscribe button and see you next week. Thanks, Nina. Bye, guys. This was